This is your host, J.D. Shock, a.k.a. Juwian, and this is Set 5 Pass, a podcast about all things Yu-Gi-Oh! We got content reviews, deck profiles, meta reports, you name it, we'll whip it up. Uh, check us out on Twitter, at Set5Podcast, to get an inside look of what I'm stewing up, and maybe, maybe we'll take some suggestions from y'all. Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode. Let's get right to it. What is up, everybody? This is your host, Julian, aka JD Shock, and you are listening to Set Five Pass, a Yu Gi Oh podcast. Uh, today, I'm going to do a deck profile. I did uh, went to locals last week, um, actually, yesterday at this point, and I was playing for Wonderies and I went undefeated. So, I figured I'd do a deck profile on the deck um, and kind of talk about some of my matchups. This deck is definitely a sleeper deck. Um, A lot of people have been hyping up the Sword Souls in uh, the new Birth of Destiny. Uh, OCG is seeing a lot of hype for Flunderies, but OCG's meta is so different compared to the TCG that you you can't really compare them because of just the tech choices that stand out. But yeah, so I took the Wonder Reese to locals, went undefeated, gonna do a deck profile and just kind of talk about stuff and kind of go from there. So I have the deck profile here. Uh, First, I just wanna kind of do a couple caveats. One is, I think this was about a 30 person locals. Um, It ended up dwindling down uh, as the tournament went on, I think. By the end of it, there was maybe like 23, 24 players. In addition, if you want to see the visual uh, de- of this deck list, I do have it posted on my Twitter, at Set5Podcast, if you want to see it there. I'm also going to link the tweet to the tweet that I post for this episode as well. Uh, a couple shout outs. One is that uh, shout out to my teammates for helping me kind of curate this deck and kind of fix things up over time, giving me tech choices and talking about the meta. The guys are awesome. In addition, I want to give a shout out to Rivals in Mishawaka, Indiana, which is where I went to locals yesterday. So, first up, I'm just going to start off with the small birds. It's a pretty standard package for most Floor Wonderies decks. Um, it is. Three for Wonderies, Rabina, three Eaglin, two Ostrich, and one Toucan. Uh, some people only do one Ostrich. Uh, yesterday, I started to see the value of doing two because it actually does pop up. So a quick rundown of what they do. Um, all the Flawonderies, all the small Flawonderies, when they leave board, they're banished instead. And then when you normal summon a Winged Beast, they come back to hand. Uh, from Banish, and then they do stuff on Summon. Uh, Their Summon effects is that, you know, do X and then Normal Summon again. This deck does no special summoning, and I don't think I went into the extra deck even once yesterday. So, Rabina adds a level four or lower uh, Winged Beast from deck to hand, then you can Normal Summon. Uh, Eagle adds a level seven or higher Winged Beast from deck to hand, and then you can Normal Summon. Ostrich allows you to target and banish one card from either player's graveyard and then normal summon. And then Toucan 
lets you target one of your banished Flawanda Reese cards, add it back to hand, and then normal summon again. So uh, in this deck, Rubina ends up being a one card combo because you Rubina into Eagle, Eagle add one of your tributes, tribute both for your big monster. Um, Ostrich and Toucan actually do a nice loop where if your big stuff like um, Empen or Snowl get banished uh, or get destroyed, you can banish it and then add it back to hand uh, with Street and Toucan and then you get your summons that way. So there's a lot, the, this deck does have a surprising amount of recursion and grind game. Uh, for my big tributes, I have one Snowl, one Empen, one Mega Ryza, the Storm Monarch, and one Mist Valley Apex Avian. Uh, they're all searchable with Eaglin, and they all serve specific purposes depending on the game state. Uh, in addition, we also have the Wind Barrier statue uh, to be able to search off of Rabina and Normal Summon. It is our Floodgate, um, in addition to some of the other Floodgates that we run. And then we have three Dimension Shifter and two Ash Blossom for our Hand Trap lineup. Uh, just kind of doing a breakdown. So Empen is kind of the deck's um, go-to boss monster. If you're doing your turn one play, you're going into Empen. Uh, Empen is a floodgate, uh, a walking floodgate, that anything that's special summoned in attack position has its effects negated. So it forces the opponent to kind of switch stuff to defense and play odd in that manner. Um, but it automatically turns off links because link monsters can't be summoned in defense. So then their effects are just straight up negated. Um, in addition, when it's summoned, you can add a Flawundery spell or trap from deck to hand and then normal summon again. And the last effect is that if it battles anything during damage count, you banish a winged beast to cut the opponent's monster's attack and defense in half, which is nice for just chipping out a little bit of extra damage. Uh, Snell, uh, I would say that I am in the minority of people who run Snell. I love Snell um, because it has the highest attack points of anything that you're going to summon in the deck at 2900, uh, but it has a lot of really nifty effects. One is, is that you can activate an effect that gives you two additional normal summons that turn. Um, it is not something that happens on summon, it's just once per turn if you control this tribute summon card, gain two additional normal summons. Um, then. Everything on your board has piercing, which is pretty cool. It's an aura effect for the whole board. And the last part of it, uh, which is the part that some people kind of play it for, is that uh, during the opponent's turn, you can banish a winged beast to flip every special summon monster the opponent controls to face down defense. This effect has actually come up quite often and Snell won me several games yesterday. So I don't care what people say about Snell. Snell is really good because it prevents the opponent from going into Exes, Link, or Synchro plays if you just time it right and you don't have access to Barrier Statue. Uh, Ryza is Ryza. Um, we can search it and we can abuse its effect to throw stuff on the top of the opponent's deck and then throws Ryza back to hand. Uh, there was a couple times where I did win games by Ryza locking the opponent and uh, securing game that way. It's really grimy. I hate doing it, um, but there's just so many times where like the game state gets mildly simplified and you get to just lock them out of the duel. Everybody plays some sort of type of brick or a card that's maybe used can only be used once or twice. 
And so you make that the graveyard target that you throw to top their deck along with something else that's troublesome and then you get a free turn of just going off again. And then Apex Avian is negation. I don't think I really need to explain that one. Uh, we play Dimension Shifter because we don't care about our graveyard and everything gets banished anyways. Um, in addition, uh, this deck is kind of weak to Droll and Effect Veiler. So D Shifter on the opening turn makes it so the opponent can't use those cards because those cards have to be sent to graveyard for their effects to activate. And then we play two Ash Blossoms. One of them is for Cross Out Designator and then one of them is to actually use on our own. Uh, looking at the spell lineup, spell and trap lineup, uh, we have three for Wonderies maps, three Prosperities, three Pod of Duality, three Cross Out, two Book of Moon, one Flowunderies and Unexplored Winds, uh, one Called by the Grave, one Gold Sark, one Terraforming, two Infinite Impermanence, and one Dreamtown. Uh, this lineup is also kind of standard of, well, for the particular build that I'm running, there is a Dogmatica build that people play, uh, but I just don't think that the Dogmatica build is all that worth it. Um, between like Nadir Servants and Ecclesia to essentially search out punishment. Yes, you get to use your extra deck a little bit more, but like this deck doesn't need to use extra deck. <clears throat> so uh, map is a fantastic card. If it is in your opening hand, you get to do so much. Uh, once per turn, you can reveal a level one winged beast, uh, well, level one Flawunderies. You banish any Flunder card from your deck and then you get immediate normal summon. So it isn't the effect to give a normal summon. So you still have your actual normal summon, which is even better. So any level one Flunder, any level one Flunder alongside uh, the map gets you Rabina, which then gets you full combo pretty much. Uh, and also makes Toucan not a dead card in the early game because uh, you can banish a just any Flawunderies card um, or like you know one of your spells or traps that you may need and then you can normal summon Toucan and then Toucan snatches that card and then you get your normal summon and go from there. Um, so that's also pretty nice. That came up a couple times actually. Uh, Prosperities because we're really trying to dig for main cards. Duality, same reason, really trying to dig for starters. Uh, we don't care about special summoning, so it doesn't matter. Uh, the three Crossout Designated and two Book of Moons and the Called by the Grave are all stuff to make it so we do not lose to hand traps and lose to basic negation. So Crossout mainly hits um, like Ash Blossom and Imperm, which are the main things that we deal with. Um, and then also the stuff that you cite in. Um, and then Book of Moon is to stop Effect Baylor and Imperms because those have to resolve by targeting a face-up monster. So if you flip your bird face down, uh, your effect still goes through and their negation is wasted. And then the Call by the Grave is just for any generic hand trap. Uh, the Unexplored Winds, we only play at one. I've seen some people play it at two. I don't think that's worth it because we can just search it when we need it. Um, and usually it's not that much of a threat card that opponents are really like um, trying to remove this off the board right off the bat. They're more focused on knocking out the field spell because the field spell is way more powerful. However, Unexplored Winds does get us out of some tricky situations because 
We can tribute cards from the opponent's field, and that also includes spells and traps. So if the opponent has a pesky floodgate that's really like messing up our combos, we can tribute the floodgate to put our monsters on board, which is nice. Uh, the terraforming to search the map, gold sark to search any level one. Um, gold sark is pretty standard for a lot of for a lot of flunder decks, but I did not really like it. I only saw it a couple times, but the times when I did see it, it didn't really do a whole lot for my game state. Like I was still fine. This was just kind of like a win more card. I get it that some people use it just to get Rabina banished. So any normal, any uh, level one flunder is gonna get you your combo, but eh, I just didn't like it all too much. Uh, we run two Imperms for the same reason why we run two Ash. One of them to send for cross out, one of them to use on our own. And then Dreamtown, uh, played as a one of. Uh, this card is nuts and it allows us to play on the opponent's turn. Uh, it's a trap card that when activated during the opponent's main phase, we get one normal summon, which translates to we get five normal summons. And, <laughs> and in addition, it has a secondary effect where you can banish it from the graveyard when you uh, tribute summon a level seven or higher winged beast and you get to flip the opponent's monster's face down defense. So it works kind of similar to Snell, but it happens right on the summon of something, which is nice because you can combo it with something like Empen or Ryza to chain block and make it kind of tri tricky for the opponent to handle stuff. In addition, once it's banished, it is a prime toucan target. So you can toucan, bring this back to hand, and then you are allowed to play on the opponent's turn again. Uh, I think that's kind of one of the amazing reasons why Toucan is played in the deck. Uh, but like I said, you really only want to play that one because you aren't really summoning, you aren't banishing like that, you know what I mean? Uh, moving on to the extra deck. Uh, the extra deck is gonna sound really gimmicky. Let me just start off there. And the main reason why is that I play Winter Cherries in the side deck. Um, so <laughs> I will boil it down to what I actually use in the extra deck when I'm going into extra deck. We have the Lyralisk Assembled Nightingale. Um, it's a rank one that gets us into Zeus. Uh, it's nice because we lock ourselves into special summoning the second we activate on like one of the level ones, but we play so much on the opponent's turn that by the time that it is the opponent's end phase, we have a board and we can condense that board into extra deck monsters. However, it does lock us out of our flunder plays that turn. Um, so you kind of have to pick and choose like, do you want to go into extra deck or do you want to do other combos? Um, so some Nightingale, one Zeus, uh, one Tri-Brigade for Jeet because we play a Winged Beast deck, one Shurag because we play a Winged Beast deck, and also in the weird situation that Shurag actually gets us a search, um, it's pretty nice. All of our stuff gets banished, so when Shurag leaves the board or goes to Grave, uh, we get to add essentially a level one Flunder, which translates to add Verbena to hand. Um, and then I have a Nightmare Cerberus, a Nightmare Unicorn, um, and a Boral sword, sword Dragon in the extra deck. Those are ones I, that I could see myself going into. However, like I said, it never really came up. Now, everything else in the extra deck can literally be whatever you want depending on your locals and what you're playing against frequently. Um, I have it 
to where I see a lot of like Sky Striker, uh, PK, uh, Invoke, Shadal, um, Virtual World. Those are the decks that are kind of sticking out my locals right now. So the rest of my extra deck is one uh, Red Eyes Dragoon, two Entis, two uh, Crystal Wing Syn uh, one Crystal Wing Synchro Dragon, uh, the BLS Link because I love that card. Uh, one Phantom Knight Bardish, uh, Sky Striker Kagari, uh, Appaloosa. And it's pretty much, if I know the opponent's going to go into something that's going to make the game state really tricky for me, I have Winter Cherries as a way to rip that card out of their extra deck. Um, I would swap out the BLS for Destroyer Phoenix Enforcer. However, I let my friend borrow it yesterday, so I swapped the BLS in for its spot. Um, and which didn't matter because I never went into my extra deck anyways. And then the side deck. Uh, the side decks get really tricky with Wanderers because it really boils down to what your philosophy is on what is the most important aspect of the deck. If you're trying really hard to make sure your plays go through, then uh, you might like your going second package is just going to be board breaking stuff so you can play. Um, if you're thinking that like, okay, well I can establish a board easily with, you know, the stuff that I have, maybe I just want to tech in a couple other things. Um, uh, there is a, you know, a couple cards for that. So I have one effect veiler decided for cross out, three winter cherries, two droll, uh, one to side out, one to use, three evenly match, three dark ruler no more, two twin twisters, and a artifact lancia for the cross out target as well um out of this side deck i want to say that i used all of it really except for the winter cherries most of my matchups i kind of knew what i was playing against and had a good idea and it was kind of one of those things where i didn't have a good target for winter cherries anyways so i just didn't play it um but i do know that there has been other times where it has come in handy if you want to make more use of your extra deck uh, using things like Dogmatica Punishment to kind of send that Shurag and things like that, um, you know, you don't need to run Winter Cherries. I think I'm also in the minority of players that are doing that. So that's the deck list for you guys. I want to say that I this is probably one of my favorite decks that I've piloted in a while. Uh, probably second to Mutants. Mutants are a really fun deck. If you haven't tried them, I highly recommend them. Uh, but uh, Fluonderies is just, it does a lot. It feels like a combo deck, but it's really not. It's like a combo deck to like mid-range control the, control the game state. Like between a Dimensional Shifter, an Empin, and a Barrier Statue, you make the game really hard for the opponent. Um, because there is times where those three effects will be active all, all at the same time. Um, but yeah, so I'm just going to go into some of the, um, matchups I had. So my matchups were against Dinos, uh, uh, Dogmatica Invoked, Shadal, uh, Bee Trooper, and then I had a mirror match for Flunder for my last match. Uh, dinos were actually pretty easy. I thought that it'd be a trickier matchup. Um, but I ended up going 2-1. I won that die roll and I was able to go full combo in the first game. 
he didn't really have any interruptions. Um, and he kind of did this weird chaos engine, but since he was doing the chaos engine, it was very easy for me to lock him out with barrier statue. And then that was kind of the end of that. Game two, <laughs> it was, I sided in evenlies and dark Luna mores. Um, because it's Dino, so it's a combo deck. So I'm expecting like the UTC and Opelousa, things like that. Uh, he went first. My op my opening hand was five spell cards. And on his like third summon, he made Naturia Beast. And then my top deck was another spell card. None of which were uh, Darker or No More. So we just went to game three. Game three, I went first. I had kind of a mediocre hand. Uh... But he didn't open up any starters, so I was able to just kind of, on my second turn, go full combo and rise a lock him since I knew that he was kind of top in top deck mode right now. Uh, the Dogmatica Invoke Shadal matchup was... Uh, actually, I had a little bit of issue with this. Normally, Flunders is like an auto win against, um, against that deck. Primarily because that deck relies heavily on um, a lot of uh, like a lot of effects or floodgates that really don't do anything to us. Um, like construct is not going to destroy any of our things because we don't special summon. Um, window is not going to lock us out of the game because we don't special summon. We just normal summon a lot. Um, the they can't use Maximus because we don't really use our extra decks, so we're gonna plus off of their Maximus and make the game hard for them. And in addition, the Invoke stuff just doesn't, uh, it just, it's just not enough. Uh, we can play through it, we can kind of just keep bombarding with summons. But in that matchup, it was a 2-1. Um, I won the die roll, went full combo with the Empen and Barrier statue, uh, he started off with an Endear Servant, but since I didn't have a graveyard, I was able to Dimension Shifter and um, that nulled his entire turn, pretty much. And I kind of just popped off again the following turn. Uh, game two, he went first and he did the basic helmet play with Invoked. Um, negated my Shifter, which I probably should have activated sooner ahead of time. Um, and I tried to... Used Shifter again, got hit with a called by, and uh, he actually was just able to use Mechabuzz Negate once per turn to make it very difficult for me to catch up. Um, I was way too behind in value, and he got that one. Uh, game three, I opened up full combo and had Book of Moon alongside the crossout to play through anything. Um, I ended up using a second crossout designator. Uh, due to duality, which I was able to use to hit searchers that he had, um, like terraforming, which locked him out of other stuff. Uh, he tried to use the dogma, like the dogma engine, and just summon a bunch of ecclesias in defense, thinking that that was going to work. Uh, however, uh, this is where Snell came in handy because I summoned Snell and then summoned Apex Avian, and I got. Two big monsters that had piercing and I just got to play through his board. And then, you know, a good amount of chip damage plus apex for a negation when he has no resources left. Um, third matchup was B Trooper. Uh, I played against the same player uh, maybe about a week and a half ago uh, with a similar version of my deck list. I don't know what changes he made to his, 
But I actually lost this matchup because B Trooper can kind of just pivot in a lot of different ways. So also I have nothing for Winter Cherries in my extra deck for this. So it really boils down to like, do I see evenly pretty much? Uh, I lost a Darvel here, so he went first, but I had Shifter uh, during the standby phase. So really I got to go first. He summoned two insects in defense and just passed turn. Um, I went full combo and had Empin, the map, and Dreamtown. And uh, he used a Wind Kaiju to break the Empin, but between the map and the town, I was able to summon Snarl and Book of Moon to prevent him from going into like his links and his Eggsies. Um, and then I just kind of took over the game from there. Uh, and then game two, he went first again, and he ended on a pretty gnarly board. Um, it was maybe about five or six cards. Uh, I used Pav Duality to search and to evenly match. I broke his board and then I rise a locked him and that was the end of that. So that matchup ended up being surprisingly easy. It was the only matchup I actually tooled my opponent. And my last matchup was a mirror match against another Flawanda Reese player. We ended up comparing lists afterwards and I realized that our lists were vastly different from each other. Um, but it was also my first time doing a Floor Wonderies mirror match. And let me tell y'all, this mirror match is awful. Oh my gosh. Like every normal summon is just like five summons. Like he normal summons, my map triggers, I normal summon, he's normal summoning, I normal summon. Like it's... It's like five chain link twos or threes back to back. And we're just playing alongside each other. Luckily, uh, that really only happened in like the very last game. Uh, game one and two, we both kind of blew, blew each other out. So game one, uh, I won the die roll, went almost full combo. Um, once he started playing, I shrunk my board to Apex and was able to block uh, his starting plays with an Ash, Apex, and an Imperm. Um, so he was pretty in the negative there, and he just kind of scooped. He wasn't able to get started. Uh, game two, uh, he went full combo, and I opened up no starters. And I tried to evenly, and he hit me with a Lancia. So that was the end of that. So that was game two. That was really fast. It, <laughs> it was funny because I think by the time that we got to game three, we had about, like, 32 minutes left on the clock. Like, we had... <laughs> We'd gone through two games in like seven, eight minutes, which was just dumb. So game three was pretty good. Like I I went first and I opened up mediocre. Um, however, I was able to establish a pretty good board. And my opponent lightning stormed my back row because I had like four cards in back row. But I used Dreamtown to kind of start summoning and uh, shrink my board into Apex. And in addition, when he used the Lightning Storm, I used my set Crossout Designator and I banished Rabina, um, which was awesome because I now have a Rabina that on my following turn, I get to search, but I denied him access to having any one card starters for that turn, which I felt like was really, really, really powerful um, because it kind of made it awkward for him to play. Uh, he 
ended up playing through the apex so the apex is back in my hand and i essentially have no board at this point um he was not able to get started and i top decked it into another small bird which allowed me into going into full combo making snell and apex and i used both those to chip for pretty large chunks of damage and on his summon i negated with apex and that was pretty much the end of that it was so stressful because i was it's like we get to that game three and we get to that point where like i think i might win this i don't know what he's gonna have and i was just like hearts beating fast stressful like oh my gosh i'm about to go 4-0 today uh, Snell was awesome here. Snell allowed me to kind of make really offensive boards pretty fast. And that came up a couple times throughout the day. Uh, also, the piercing damage was nice for when the opponent tried to wall up. Um, they think like, oh, a bunch of small birds, they can't do stuff. But then like Empen, Snell, Ryza, Apex, like those swing for a lot of damage. So a couple takeaways from this deck list and from uh, like my matchups. Snell is an amazing card. Uh, I understand people's arguments as to why they do two Empen as opposed to one Empen, one Snell. However, if you have the time and are willing to just like experiment with it, I highly recommend just playing around with Snell. Uh, the piercing damage does a lot. The flipping the board is really nice. Um, and like I said, it usually gives you the ability to put like Snell plus another um, big wing beast that turn, uh, which helped quite a few times. Uh, I have Winter Chariots to the side, but I never once sighted them in. Um, after that, I may swap them out for something else. I found it difficult when I needed to side in six cards, like six or more cards. Uh, so then like citing in six or more cards plus trying to find room for winter cherries was just never worth it. I couldn't sacrifice that much consistency to maybe rip one card out of their extra deck. Um, there was times where I found it easy to like shrink the ash and imperm counts when I was citing um, main, and just using it mainly for cross out. And there was also a couple of times where just like, I didn't need to use a lot of my negation or things like that. If I just put Windbearer statue like on the board ASAP and just made it awkward for the opponent to play all together. Um, I actually almost played the Dogma variant at last minute. I decided against it because I was like, uh, I'm comfortable with this, I'm gonna use this. Um, I'm really glad I didn't switch to a Dogma build. My opponent was playing a half Dogma build, and I think another person in my local also plays a Dogma build, but he lost in that mirror match. Um, I think that, like, Punishment is a great card, and it does a lot for the deck. Like, you get to, like, remove something and then do other stuff on top of it, whether it be, like, removal, searching, rip, like, you know, whatever, so be it. Um, but Dimension Shifter is just so good. Like Dimension Shifter being able to like stop Effect Veiler and Droll, um, stopping Mechaba was something that popped up. Um, it just makes it so I don't end up having to use like Cross Out Designator or Book of Moons because I just have like it's just already nulled for that turn. I just need it for one turn.
So, all in all, I had a lot of fun with this deck. I'm really glad I got to play it and play it well. Uh, super cool that I went 4-0. Gonna try to see if I can do that a couple more times. Um, like I said, if you want to see the visual of the deck list uh, for ease, you can see it on my Twitter at Set5Podcast. Also, if you're on there, feel free to like at me or tag me or something. I can talk about Yu-Gi-Oh stuff all day and I would love to. Um, so yeah, feel free to hit me up. Uh, that is all I have for you guys today. Um, like I said, if you're online, say hi. I'll say hi back. And with that, uh, this is Set 5 Pass, a Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. I'm your host, JD Shock, a.k.a. Julian, and I'm signing off.